Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. Today, we've got a good one for you. But before we get into it, just a quick word from our sponsors, Dudex. So Dudex is a new cryptocurrency derivatives trading platform that aims to provide a fair and professional experience for its users. With third-party market makers and no exchange token or internal trading desks, Dudex creates transparency and puts the customers first. A couple of the features on Dudex include 100x leverage trading, perpetual swaps without expiry date and daily settlement, 100,000 TPS per contract, and most importantly, no KYC. That's right, every crypto trader's favorite words, no KYC. Sign up with the link in the description below to start trading today and receive up to $100 in free Bitcoin when you make your first deposit. Alright guys, before we get started, I just want to ask you to hit the subscribe button below. I'm dropping two episodes a week, and if you're subscribed, you won't miss any of them. Uh, you'll get notified when new episodes get uploaded, and uh, you can hear them right as they are dropped. Now, let's get to the show. This is episode 58 of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got a great one for you. I'm going to be sitting down with Nick Patel, who's the author of a book called An Altcoin Trader's Handbook, and he also runs a successful blog called An Altcoin Trader's Blog. And today we're going to be talking about you know, how and why he wrote the book. We're going to be talking about his trading strategy. And then lastly, we're going to give you some tips on how to survive this upcoming alt season. So let's get into it. So Nick, before we really get into your book, your trading strategy, that sort of thing, can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself and what you were doing before you found cryptocurrencies? Absolutely. Firstly, um, thank you for having me. Um, of course, I man. hope it'll be a, a valuable conversation for listeners. I really appreciate um, you coming on. No worries at all. Um, yeah, so I got involved in the space in December of 2013. Um, I just stumbled upon um, the Dogecoin subreddit on whilst I was just browsing the internet. And having not actually used Reddit before in my life, I don't still understand how that happened. Um, but yeah, just I sort of browsed, browsed around Reddit, found, found that subreddit, didn't know what cryptocurrencies were. Had never heard of Bitcoin, but my first um, foray into the space was Dogecoin. So, yeah, I kind of got sucked in, and you know, the community in there um, were very welcoming. You know, you had people tipping back then, so I was quite intrigued by the um, process of actually being able to send someone money when it wasn't a fiat currency. And I was only seventeen or eighteen at the time. Okay, so you're um, young. You were young. Yeah, at the time. I'm 24 now. So there yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm a yeah. young dude as well. I'm 25, so it's good to talk to someone around. Yeah, my but age. so it's it's strange for me as well because obviously having you know for many people who hear oh you've been involved in the space since uh, early 2014 or late 2013, um, that's like wow, that's like a, a veteran of the space. But really, that's only like five years. It's just because the space is so. Um, infantile at this point you know we, we've only been around in in general for like eight nine years ten years so yeah but that was my first steps into it and from that point i fell down the rabbit hole and by february 2014 i was signing up to twitter with the username tenacious crypto 
um, <laughs> which I I still can't believe I didn't go for Tenacious C. <laughs> so annoying. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but so that was my first username in the space. And back then it was all the same guys, like not so fast, Crypto Cobain, Sicarius, they were all there. And uh, yeah, so that's how I kind of got involved in the space and then opened up a Mint Pal account uh, and a Crypto Rush account, both exchanges, which are no longer here. And that's where I began trading. Yeah, so you mentioned the fact that it's pretty crazy that people consider you a vet for being in the space for, you know, Yeah, it's five, silly. In my, I, I still feel like I'm, you know, a newbie because <laughs> the whole space is so, um, it's, it's ever evolving and at such a fast rate that you feel like if you miss uh, a couple of days, as we were saying off air, you, you end up feeling like you've missed a year and that's still true to this day. Right. There's almost no days off. But I mean, yeah, you, you are you really are a veteran. You talk about some of the big names on Twitter who have been around for quite a while now who are also considered veterans. Um, congratulations, first off, on finding it's funny Dogecoin as your first coin. Uh, I, I This is the first time I've heard that. Everyone always talks about Bitcoin. Early adopters talk about Bitcoin and the Silk Road and that's their introduction. Yeah. But you stumbled across it on Reddit and then that's when yeah. kind of fell it, down. The it, honestly, hole. it was it was the weirdest thing as well because it's it's to this day still a currency based on a meme. So in most respects, if you came across something like that, you'd kind of gloss over it and not really pay much attention. But despite the fact that it was Dogecoin and you know a joke in some ways, um, the technology at the at the heart of it was the exact same top technology that I later found out was sort of what bitcoin pioneered and um so that was still intriguing yeah man it's i'm just shocked and blown away by dogecoin (laughs) being your first intro i think if you i think if you ask a few people from back in february march 2014 they'll they'll they have similar stories i know a few people who uh didn't know about bitcoin before they found out about dogecoin so (laughs) you, you mentioned that i think you got involved in you were 17 you said right I think I was 18. I 18. think I just, yeah, I think it was just after I turned 18 because I turned 18 in uh, September and it was around December that I um, then found that that subreddit. There we go. So I, I'm assuming prior to that, you didn't have any trading experience or like full-time work experience? You just no, went... I had no, no trading background or experience. Um, um, my dad was a... Uh, a self-employed trader so there was that but I never really paid much attention to it um, and it wasn't obviously until I started trading for myself that I took an active interest there we um, go. but yeah so up until that point there I had no no idea about markets I had no idea about technology and to this day I still consider myself somewhat of a technological Neanderthal <laughs> um, hey, but man, you same. know that those yeah those are the two things that I just didn't pay attention to as an 18 year old and it was it was cryptocurrencies that then broke both of those um, for me. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people like to dismiss crypto traders who don't have any trading experience in traditional markets. But you've been around for you've been trading for, you know, six years, five, six years. You've been involved in the community. So you've had a lot of time to kind of understand how the markets work. Uh, you've been able yeah. to put in the time and effort um, and learn how I to mean, trade I- properly. Yeah, I mean, I did end up, um, so in 2015, uh, because I was then in, I think it was the end of second year, 
and start of third year of uh, university, so the end of my degree, um, I took a few months off. I think it was like nine months in the end um, where I was just focusing on, on uni work. And even though I took that time off of crypto during that time, I was still trading traditional markets because I'd started to learn, um, you know, how to I wanted to branch out in late 2014, early 2015 from the crypto space and take a look at commodities, take a look at um, indices, etc. Obviously, Forex and all of those things kind of fell into place in that 2015 um, period. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I, I wanted to make sure that I had experience in both because I could see the difference. As soon as I started to learn a little bit about um, crypto markets, I could see the similarities and differences. And uh, particularly at that time, liquidity was poor, etc. So there was a need to branch out. Okay, so you do have experience in both. Uh, big thanks to the Dogecoin community and Reddit for getting you involved, you know, in traditional markets <laughs> yeah. and trade crypto, which is awesome. Uh, you got a couple other things that you're actually doing as well that I want to talk about. So can you tell my audience a little bit about your book, uh, why you decided to write it, um, and then also talk about your blog? Uh, sure. So um, in October 2017, I'd been thinking for a little while that I wanted to open up some sort of like digital learning space uh, to do with um, trading crypto from a f fundamental and technical perspective. And then I was thinking, well, the overhead costs of things like that are high and therefore the price you have to charge people is high and then most people won't be able to afford stuff like that. And then I was thinking, well, I did English literature as a degree and I love reading and writing. So it just hit me that I should probably just write a book about it because it's far more accessible to everyone. I can get everything in one comprehensive um piece of work and it will only cost like $10 or $12 or whatever it's priced at. And so, yeah, from the, from November, I then started, um, writing it. Uh, it was largely crowdfunded on Patreon by people in the community. Um, because obviously if you're doing for 40 to 50 hours of writing a week, then there's much less time to focus on doing your own analysis for trades, let alone actually taking trades. So that was quite difficult coming off that um, but I, I would love the writing process completely and then in June 2018 I published it and yeah it did pretty well um, and after that I wanted to have another outlet for readers to continue with my form of analysis and, and how it evolved over time and so I started the blog and that's what I'm doing at the moment along with my own stuff. So first um big congratulations on getting this book out it's beautiful to hear that the community kind of helped you fund the the writing of this and you know you were able to take time away from trading to write this book and get this information out to other people um so yeah i was very grateful yeah. um because it, i mean i would have probably done it anyway but it's one of those things where you would do it over a much longer period of time because you can't focus that many hours if you're then also having to do so many other things at the same time. But just having that sort of freedom allowed me to just focus completely and get it out in, I think it was eight months. Um, and I'd obviously never written anything of that length before. It's one of the many stories um, where the community kind of comes together and how truly beautiful this community is. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out to the community for that. Um, and then after you wrote the book, uh, you know, trading strategies and styles are constantly evolving. And so you put together the blog 
as a way to kind of follow up on that and keep people informed um, on a more regular basis once they have finished your book. Um, can you just briefly talk about some of the stuff that you go over in your book for my audience who hasn't read it? Yeah, sure. So the book, the, the idea behind it was I wanted to have, unlike most dry trading books that people have probably read, I wanted to have half the book in the form of a memoir um, containing anecdotes from the past five years, um, ranging from you know me first getting into the space and finding crypto Twitter in February 2014 to then... Uh, all the way through to October 2017 when I first started uh, writing the book and we'd been through that summer of 2017 mega cycle. Um, but then of course the anecdotes kind of ended toward just before the, the January 2018 um, cycle hit. So that wasn't quite included, but that was like the first half of the book. because so I wanted people, even people who aren't interested in trading to read over the stories and see what a wild uh, environment it was uh, and still is but it definitely was more crazy back then um, so that was the first half of the book and then the second half I was like right for people who are actually fully committed to learning how to trade these markets I wanted to include a comprehensive overview of all of my technical and fundamental approaches my theories behind why I do certain things and you know, then a step-by-step -step framework following that, and uh, also some sort of risk management, portfolio management, uh, trader psychology. Those sorts of things were in there as well, which um, would have had to had to have been included because everything else is kind of irrelevant without that. Um, but yeah, so that was that was how I structured it. I really appreciate that you kind of have the first half more for entertainment purposes, and then the second half is really the analysis, your thinking, how to do fundamental research, different trading strategies. Because uh, some of these yeah. trading books, you're right, they can be very dull and dry. Um, and you're yeah, someone... and it makes you not want to learn. Exactly. And, and you're someone who went through this wild west of crypto, and I think people are extremely interested in hearing about that kind of stuff, especially people who joined later, you know, mid-2017 on. Yeah. Uh, they, they hear about it, but they don't really know about it. Um, and this kind of gives them a chance to learn firsthand what was going on. Um, so this this book yeah. sounds jam packed, full of useful information. Um, yeah, I think one of the um, one of the interesting things about writing the stories as well, and what I've heard back from readers is that even though that that half is meant primarily for entertainment purposes, a lot of them were sort of sympathizing with the mistakes that I had made and that they had seen themselves make. And sort of some people who hadn't yet made those mistakes thought, well, now I know what to do in these situations. So I think it was quite valuable as well as being hilarious hearing about how there were genuine projects in the space in 2014 that people believed were built on the production of urea. And that was backing the value of the token. Oh, my God. Insanity. Yeah. Insanity. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, fun I, times. <laughs> it, I, I think there's definitely a lot that you can learn from the mistakes of others. Uh, everyone that I talk to who got in early has said they have, you know, messed up in one way or another. Um, and I think it's great for people to learn from you guys because then next cycle they can avoid those mistakes that you guys fell into. 
Um, yeah, and it, I mean, some of them they won't avoid because some of them are psychological and you can read about them in a book, but it's not going to change your decision-making processes during times of crisis. So, you know, there are, there are certain things like when I first joined and I lost 90-odd percent or 85% of my initial capital in my first trade or two, uh, and that was purely because I chased pumps. And that is something that most people will do regardless of what they read in a book because once you see those green flashing lights, it's a different story. <laughs> yeah, it, kind of all of your previous knowledge and training is kind of thrown out the window. When yeah. You see a yeah, your point. limbic system goes crazy when you see shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things really <laughs> start getting fi fired off in the brain um, and you yeah. kind of lose your common sense. I've definitely gone through it. I know most of my listeners have probably gone through it. Um, and it's good that you can kind of sit back and laugh about it now because I, I think some people are very bitter about it. But, you know, the best way to kind of deal with it is to laugh about it, move on, continue to improve, which is yeah, exactly precisely. what you're doing. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of your trading strategies are in the book. Can we talk about your current strategy? Because I know I know it's constantly evolving. Can you just yeah. give us a little bit of your rundown on your trading strategy and what what kind of things you trade? Absolutely. So um, back in 2014, 2015, a lot of what we were doing, primarily because the market cycles were significantly shorter, you know, you'd have entire cycles play out in a weekend. Um, it was very short term, and yet the gains were similar, if not greater. Um, and then over time, as the market has matured, as liquidity improves and volume improves, the market cycles get longer and longer. And it didn't really make sense to trade short term when I could see that my edge was in finding fundamentally sound projects, buying them at historical lows, and then holding them cyclically and selling them when everyone else is euphoric. And so that's what I did in 2017 and the start of 2018. Um, and that's pretty much what I'm now looking to do moving forward into the next cycle, because I just think it makes more sense. I'm not the sort of person who likes to spend all my time in front of the screens but when i do i i prefer sh trading short term in traditional markets anyway because they're far more liquid um so that makes more sense for me but you know in crypto specifically i'm i'm definitely long term and cyclical i i like to look at the fundamentals of a project do a, a, a thorough analysis um and then i look at technicals i, I basically i won't I won't invest in a project um, based on a, a chart alone, um, even if it's exceptional, just because I don't know whether that team has abandoned that project or anything, um, anything of that, of that sort. So I'll make sure I've done some sort of research into it. And then I'll also not buy a project based on fundamentals alone. I need to see that it's played out market cycles in the past. It's trading at historical support or lows um, it's formed perhaps an accumulation range, you know, a, 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 a contracted price range. And then I'll um, back up my thesis by looking at the coin's rich list, um, which I then do a thorough dissection of and look at the holdings of the, the largest, uh, largest addresses and how they change over time. So I can kind of monitor whether so-called smart money is accumulating at certain prices or distributing and whether I should be doing the same. Oh man. Okay. So there, there's a <laughs> lot in here and I think all of it is phenomenal. You know, everyone needs to hear this. 
Um, so I'm just going to go through a couple things and then ask a couple follow-up questions because sure. my audience needs this stuff. This is, this is how you make stupid amounts of money. Um, so first of all, you talked about the fact that in 2014, 2015, things were very short term. You know, you could see a market cycle play out in a weekend. Liquidity yep. has come to the market. We're still not, you know, massive, but there is more liquidity. These market cycles have started to play out over a longer period of time. So to my audience, you need to understand that your trading technique should constantly be changing and evolving. Uh, I think you need to understand how the market works um, and adapt and change to it. So now you have a sort of longer term trading system and cycle. Uh, you're looking at fundamentals and then the technicals. Um, so with regards to, you said you wouldn't buy one solely off the technicals and you wouldn't buy one. Not for a long term position anyway. Yeah. And yeah. also same thing with the fundamentals. You wouldn't buy it solely off the fundamentals. There's Definitely really, not because it could be significantly overpriced. I was going to say, you know, I've had people mention projects are like, hey, the tech's great on this. Everything looks good. I go, I do and it's all time highs. Exactly. I do some research yeah. and then I see that it's all, all time high and I'm like, you know, this could continue to pump, but I'm I, I just can't. I'm not taking that risk. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just not worth it to buy it. And I, I actually think that's more of a sin than buying based off, off the chart alone, because at least if you get an attractive price, um, your risk is significantly diminished. It doesn't matter how fundamentally strong something is. It's still victim to market cycles and it's still victim to euphoria. So that is still going to peak at some point. And if you bought in at all time highs, it's very likely that you're the one that's going to end up holding the bag. Yeah, you're providing the liquidity for people to exit. Yeah. But, um, okay, so you talked about the fundamentals, you talked about the technicals and how you've started to take longer-term trades. Um, do you primarily focus on alts or do you trade Bitcoin as well? Uh, I trade mostly, if I'm if I'm doing shorter-term stuff, so intra-week, intra-month, then I'm looking at BTCUSD and ETHUSD um, leveraged pairs and also... Uh, traditional market. So I particularly like commodities. Um, in terms of uh, my edge, statistically, looking back over time, I tend to fare better in commodities than I do in Forex. So that's something I tend to prefer trading. Um, but if I'm looking for more capital invested in a pos position, which is where that sort of gray line comes between trading and investment, it, I tend to just call it sort of long-term speculation in crypto. I'm fully focused on altcoins with the, the larger positions. There we go. I like that term long-term speculation. Um, it's uh, pretty much perfectly describes what we're doing here. Um, so can we maybe dive into the fundamentals a little bit more? You talked sure. about looking at the rich list. Uh, what are some other things that you look for? Because I feel like every project, you know, a lot of people don't know how to do proper fundamental analysis on alts. And every coin is promising, you know, the the world. The world, uh, yeah. of course. It's all well and good having everything in your roadmap. Yeah, exactly. So w what are some of the things that you do so that you can research these projects and find projects to enter? Sure. So um, a lot of it is um, metrics that I've either, that are either, you know, common sense or that I've devised myself. So, you know, anyone can have a look on my blog and see my coin reports, which go through this fully but i'm looking at 
liquidity um, within 10% of uh, the current price in the order book because that's far more useful for me to know than volume. Um, and instead of volume, I'm looking at average volume over a historical period. I take 30 days. So you can go on to CoinMarketCap or CoinGecko or any of those screener websites and they'll have the last 30 days of volume and you'll be able to come up with averages based on that that will give you a clearer idea and then of course you then need to go into the actual exchanges to see whether they're being wash traded or it's legitimate so that's one part of it is looking at those sort of metrics and and kind of figuring out is there significant demand at these prices um is there oversupply etc and then the next thing I'm looking at is the specification of the coin itself, because I won't invest or, or trade or speculate on a project that has significant inflation, because I've seen every single time, regardless of any fundamentals, your coin will die if it's got too much uh, supply emission coming onto the market and not enough demand to meet it. So that's one critical area for me is to make sure that block rewards are matching the demand at the time for the for the project and i ideally i want less than 10 percent annual inflation so those are the two core things and then of course there's there's all the qualitative things like um the dev team and looking at their professionalism or how decentralized the work it workload is across the community maybe they involve the community in all aspects of the project um maybe it's a professional team with a business like uh, so I recently featured VIDT. Uh, uh, VID is the the name of the the business, and VIDT is the token, and they actually have a cash flowing business. So it's just a, a professional team who runs it. Whereas then you have stuff like Komodo, which is a huge project, but it's primarily commu community led. Um, so it is very much subjective in in those respects. So I tend to steer closer towards the quantitative stuff when I'm looking at fundamentals and then use the other aspects like the development of the project, what it's achieved over the since its inception and those sort of things. And then of course that's all backed up by the rich list. Okay, so there was a lot to go over there, but I think Yeah, sorry, I just waffled on. No, no, <laughs> I, I really appreciate that you did. Um and I, I want people to understand that this is how much work is involved in, with this. Because I think, you know, people think, oh, I'm going to buy some alts. It's going to go up. I'm going to make some money. Um, and, and it might. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. But if you want to do this in, you know, a more structured way, this is how you do it. And this is how you make, you know, the real money. I said it before. I'll say it again. Um, you know, really doing this solid research, taking a lot of time, putting in a lot of work. Um, so some of those metrics, you mentioned that they're all in your blog. I cannot stress this enough. Head over to his blog. He has some absolute fucking wonderful stuff on there. I'm going to try to push as many people Thank to you. it as possible. <laughs> you mentioned the inflation. Um, and it's funny because we saw some very hyped coins. Um, I don't know how long ago it was now. It was probably six to eight, 12 months ago with like beam and grin grin yeah, yeah. everybody was yeah very it was, hyped. i was i was saying the whole time i was like this is just gonna go the same way the zcash went exactly you know everyone was very hyped on it at the time but you know we've seen that it's just downtrended for so long Dude, yeah partially and it may get you know it may get little mini markets market cycles within that 
overarching downtrend, but it's still going down regardless. Exactly. Yeah. You pull up the chart and it's just down, maybe a little bit up, like you're saying, and then continued down. And that's partially due to the inflation of the coin. Um, and then I, I really like that you mentioned VIDT because right when that hit IDEX, I bought it and I got in for like a 7X. I haven't looked at nice. it. I haven't looked at it since, but that was probably one of my bigger gains in the last, I'd say, six months or so. Um, so that just uh, that warms my heart that that got mentioned there. Um, yeah, well, the th- I mean, it's one of the for, for me, it's like one of the unique projects in the. That's why I mentioned it, because there's so few projects that actually generate revenue. Um, and so you kind of have to analyze them as a business rather than you do as a decentralized project, which I do for for most things. You know, if I'm looking at a Vert coin or a Komodo or something like that, which has been around for years and is very much community led, I'm not going to be bothering with, oh, what revenue does it generate? But, you know, smaller business projects like VIDT, those are specific things you need to figure out to make sure you know whether they're healthy or not. Yeah, and I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. We we haven't seen too much of it where there's an actual business behind it. There's revenue involved. Uh, a lot of these were just kind of to raise funds to continue development. Uh, there's no core business behind it, really. Um, yeah. But I think we're going to see that as a new trend in the future. So, I mean, I, I really appreciate you going through your strategy. I think if people want to start getting into, you know, long-term alt investing, your blog, your book, these tips are crucial if they want to make money. Um, so I really appreciate that again. Now, moving forward, um, because you've got a lot on your plate now, uh, but moving forward, do you have, you know, anything in your pipeline in the next 12 months that you're super excited for? What I really want to do is uh, start working on the revision to the book because it was published in June 2018. So it's now been a year and a half almost. Um, And by the time I get around to publishing a revision, it will have been two years. Um, So I'm thinking so much has changed, particularly in my own approach, as well as in market conditions. You know, we've had the largest and most extreme bear market ever. Um, so that's something I definitely want to touch on in the, in the book and sort of talk about my experiences and also um, just discuss more at length how uh, how my approach has changed during that time. And I think um, just being able to sit down and write again would be would be great. So I'm looking at in the new year, possibly in January, beginning work on that again and maybe planning it in during the Christmas period. Oh man. Okay. That probably got a lot of, that probably got a lot of people excited right there. And you're right there. You know, there really has been a lot that has changed since then. It wasn't that long ago, but like you said, we had the longest and you know, worst pretty much bear market that we've seen. Uh, Bitcoin almost hit $20,000. Institutions are getting involved. Like there is a lot that has changed even in just these last two years. Um, and again, your trading style, your trading strategy is constantly evolving, and I'm sure there's a lot to add there. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I know my audience is looking forward to it. Um, you know, I mean, on a on a hilarious level, half the exchanges that I mentioned in the book are <laughs> either no longer around or have no volume anymore. So that just shows the changing 
market conditions and the changing environment. Yeah, plus we've probably got, you know, 2,000 new coins More. that have come out since then. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, and 2,000 new exchanges that no one's heard of. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, there's a lot that has changed. I, I'm sure you'll have a lot to write about. Uh, revisions it might take some time, uh, but I know everyone's going to be looking forward to that. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. Thank you for letting us know that that is in the works. Um, now, before we end, I always like to ask, you know, your biggest tip. So for you, I, I kind of want to ask two because you've got two big things going on here. Uh, the first just one... a bit greedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the, the first one is, you know, for the authors out there. OK, what's your biggest tip for them? Uh, on writing a book or any kind of writing, I would guess. This is almost going to sound useless, but I think it's really valuable. Just write, like seriously, just just get over that self-doubt uh, and that need for perfectionism and just write as much as you can, as quickly as you can, because no one is going to see it until you decide to publish it. And that was the best thing for me was just, getting up in the morning and just going, fuck it, whatever comes out, comes out, and I will edit it profusely afterwards. Um, so for me, I was able to write the book. As I say, it's I think it was like 60,000 words in the end. Um, I think I wrote those 60,000 words in the first four or five months and then took three months to properly hone it down and, and whittle down the, the sentence structure and all those things. Um, that every writer wants to perfect. But for me, the main thing I would say is just sit down, forget, try and forget about all of those little emotions that come into play when you're writing a sentence and just almost word vomit. I, it, it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. Um, Precisely. I, and I, you, don't, you don't realize it until you've done the process yourself. Um, because I was thinking, you know, uh, I want to, to begin with, I was thinking I, I want to make sure that the first draft is incredible. Seems stupid because no one's going to read it except myself. Um, so, but then once I realized after the first couple of weeks of writing, I can't do this because I'm getting 400 words a day down. Um, the next, and, and you'll never get it done if that's what you're doing because there's always something to perfect. But once you have a solid manuscript down to begin with, then you can go full perfectionist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I haven't written any books, obviously, but I do, you know, have a somewhat creative side, you know, Twitter, and yeah. the podcast. And I, I think this idea that everything needs to be perfect really hinders you from getting anything out there. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's not just for it. writers. It's uh, I think it's for anyone with a creative mind. It's, you know, it's that's that niggling doubt in your head that's saying that this isn't right, you need to change this, this isn't ready, or am I going to be judged for saying this, etc., etc. And as soon as I was able to just rest those thoughts, everything became so much easier. It just fell into place. Perfect, man. I really appreciate that one. I don't know how many you know authors or writers are going to be listening to this, um, but now for the majority of people listening to this episode, uh, we potentially could see an alt season coming up there's a lot of talk on twitter about it um whether that happens soon or you know later on down the line if ever you know what's your biggest tip for for these guys because you've been through the cycles plenty of times 
what's your biggest mm. tip for you know my my biggest tip is the one thing that is most underutilized as as i mentioned in the podcast uh is that you know use the rich list we are in a a space that people outside of which look at and probably think it's opaque but it's so transparent when you're actually in the space there are literal tools to monitor the movements of the largest holders and you can then cross-examine that with price action on a chart and you have nearly a hundred percent chance of being correct on your thesis if you map those two things together so just use that tool nobody because talks, no one does yeah nobody, no one does. nobody talks about this um you know yeah, everyone, no one does it it's because it takes time but no yeah. one does it. it 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 is a bit more work but that's again where the money is made uh everyone always talks about they they throw the term out you know follow smart money you know be the smart yeah. money. you have the tools to watch what they're doing yeah it's not like um trading uh forex where you unless you're paying for footprints and stuff like that and that's only on a short-term basis that you can see what's going on in the in the actual order book here you can actually look at the asset and look at everyone who owns it how much they've owned how much they've bought how much they've sold at what prices at what times it's incredible 100 percent um you know i i got a tip as well i went through the last alt season that we saw um and i i don't know if many people agree with me on this one uh, especially on twitter everyone's looking for that you know 100x you're talking about these massive gains um i think that yeah. it is much more reasonable to find two 10x's than it is to find 100x i agree 100 percent. and moreover it's so much easier to find 10 3x's exactly you know and and i i don't think people want to do that i think they want to let their winners ride and you know there's so much unknown nobody knew that you know ant shares was going to go you know 200x no. nobody knew you know tron was going to 30x in a week you, yeah you, you but you do know you you do know that stuff is going to go 3 5x in this space that's one thing that when the market conditions are right, it's almost guaranteed. So those are things that you should take advantage of. You shouldn't play the lottery game of, am I going to be in this coin for 100x? For me, what I did in 2017 was, you know, I'd buy into a project, it'd go 5x, I'd take out half my money, I'd put it into a project that hasn't moved yet, it'd go 3x, I'd take out half my money, I'd put it into another project that hasn't moved yet. So I would consistently cycle my profits out into coins that have not moved. And that was the best strategy I could have, I could have gone for. That is a winning strategy right there. And I think it's the perfect way to end this episode. You've given us so much. You know, you talked about your background, how you got involved, your book, your blog. You gave us some tips. Uh, so I really appreciate it, man. I think this episode's going to be, you know, really, it's going to be taken really well. And I think there's a lot of benefit uh, to people listening to this episode. So again, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. No worries at all, man. Thank you for having me on. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, the show's for you guys. I make it for you guys. Um, and it wouldn't happen without you guys. So I really do want to thank you for that. Um, and, you know, if you found anything in this episode helpful or any of the previous episodes that I've put out, um, can you just do me a huge favor and leave us a review? Um, it would really help us out. 
Um, and then on top of that, uh, could you also share it with any friends, family, uh, anyone on social media? You know, if, if there's something that spoke to you in any of these episodes, I would really appreciate it if you could do that for us. Um, so thanks again for listening and uh, hope to see you next episode.